welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is jeff yang from overland capital investments welcome jeff thanks rama thanks for having me on your show Sure, thank you very much. A little bit about Jeff. Jeff is the founder and CEO of Overland Capital Investments. He brings over 20 years of experience in acquisitions and entrepreneurship. Over the last 10 years, Jeff has worked in private equity where he was involved in the acquisition and management of private companies totaling over 300 million of enterprise value. His career began on Wall Street as an investment banker where he transacted over 1 billion of the volume. Jeff also helped start a national educational tutoring company for which he secured 25 million of venture capital and directed the finance function of the company. Jeff received his BS from Stern School of Business at NYU and his MBA in finance from Anderson School of Business at UCLA. Jeff is a general partner in 568 units and is an equity owner of over 2000 units. So with that Jeff would you like to add anything to your background? No, I think that uh that's a good summary of kind of uh my journey. But yeah, just making the transition from Wall Street to private equity uh has been an interesting Wall Street to private equity to multifamily has been an interesting one. So yeah, happy to share more and you know, give more insight there. Sure, sure. And would you share your thought process of getting into real estate and multifamily and what is your reason? Okay. Yeah, so, you know, I started my journey in real estate around 2016. This is when I was still uh working in uh in private equity and in Los Angeles based firm. And you know, in that company we were acquiring small to middle market size uh companies. And you know, I was doing that for about 10 years around that time and you know, always had the itch to go start a business of my own and didn't really quite know what I wanted to do. Um so poked around in different, you know, different initiatives, different start startups maybe even franchising but always had this interest for real estate and you know never, but never really understood or had I had a, a good pathway into you know how to go about doing that and then come 2016 you know this idea of multifamily came about where I started digging in and really starting to learn how people were we're doing this uh, professionally but you know as a wall street and private equity professional you know we study economic cycles and around 2016 i mean that was 8 years into that bull run so you know you talk to economists and you know people in various markets and at that time people were saying hey you know this is the top of the market uh, again this is in 2016 so you know i was working you know still working at the private equity firm you know wanted to you know dive into multifamily but you know was was a little timid right because Yeah, I thought it was the, you know, it was the top of the market. So what happened there was, you know, I I kind of continued to just educate myself in multifamily, but never really made the jump and, you know, it, it really took another 2 years of just kind of thinking and strategizing and planning to really make the jump. So it wasn't until 2018 that, you know, I made the jump to multifamily. You know, multifamily was very intriguing because, you know, as I studied how people were doing deals and, you know, most people were uh, you know, syndicating deals through 506B and 506 C offerings, you know, that was very similar to what I was doing on a private equity side where we were buying, you know, companies. Uh a little different because, you know, in a private equity firm, you're you basically raise a fund and then you have capital that's earmarked to invest in in companies. Uh whereas in syndications, you're raising, you know, pools of equity on a, you know, for each 
individual deal, right? So you're constantly fundraising you know, under, under the syndication model, but but the whole process was very, very familiar. And the deal process was very, very familiar because, you know, that's what I was doing on Wall Street as well as, 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 well as in private equity. So come 2018, you know, I was at a point where I was very comfortable with, you know, the process, you know, my concerns about it being the top of the market was, you know, was alleviated because of just more information uh, that I had and just talking to operators. And in 2018, I made, I made the jump. Uh, I felt that it was a perfect opportunity for me to still leverage what I was good at and what I was doing professionally. And at the same time, be able to start, you know, something for myself. Got it. And thank you. Thanks for sharing. And also, would you share a little bit more about what kind of conversations you had with, you know, operator, experienced operators? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, my journey in multifamily started by, you know, looking locally in California. And, you know, if I didn't mention, I'm based in Southern California. And if anyone who has poked around in, in real estate, you know, it's, it's difficult to to buy anything in California that actually cash flows. If your plan is to allocate and invest in real estate and just sock it away for five to 10 years, yes, you'll, you'll, you'll do well in California. You'll do well in Southern California. But, you know, in terms of the yield and then the cap rate that you're buying into, that won't necessarily materialize, um, you know, in those type of deals. So for me, it was critical to to find deals that cash flow, not only because I was investing my own capital, but, you know, I was raising capital uh, through, you know, through my network and that was important for them as well. So, uh, you know, conversations with operators was very important and really getting involved with different associations and going to meetup groups. You know, you just start small locally and then you start connecting with folks that are, you know, actually you know, doing deals. And, uh, you know, I attended a meetup down in, in Long Beach and, you know, met up with operators that were doing deals out of state. And once I started talking to them, that that was kind of the aha moment. I was like, wow, you know, you can actually be an operator, you know, out of state. So that kind of opened up, you know, the floodgates for me uh, where I started to look at, you know, different markets and ultimately, you know, settled on, you know, the Texas Triangle. And once I did that, you know, read up on it, you know, studied the demographic data, I, I started to take frequent trips to to Texas, particularly, you know, Houston and, and Dallas, you know, there's a lot of multifamily act- activity going there, going on there at the time and, and right now. And, you know, you kind of close your eyes and, and pick a meetup and, uh, you know, you'll meet tons of operators that are doing it. Um, and, you know, the people who've done one deal and people who've done 10 deals, but, you know, a lot of them converge in, you know, these same um, events. And, uh, you know, I started going to those events and talking to them. And the more I met with them and befriended them, you know, the more, the more confidence I, you know, I got that say, hey, look, you know, given my background, you know, I was confident that, you know, I can, I can pursue this. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you. Thanks for sharing. And would you share your investment philosophy? Sure. So our, my criteria is, um, you know, over a hundred units, you know, because I feel like anything less, you really can't take advantage of the, um, you know, the, the benefits of, of scale. Um, and then, you know, with, with smaller unit counts, it's just, there's just more risk in an event that, you know, there are vacancies. Uh, and you also just can't staff as strongly, you know, with, with lower you know, unit counts. You know, I focus on a B and C space. You know, my first couple of deals were pure C class, you know, opportunities, uh, but slowly, you know, I'm gravitating, um, you know, further upstream to B, B plus uh, asset classes. You know, we like a, a good value add component. You know, we're not looking for a heavy lift. Uh, so typically, you know, something that can size to an agency loan is ideal, but we're also open to, you know, bridge opportunities. But, you know, we're not looking to fully, you know, 
fully, you know, transform a property. I think we're, you know, if, if I had to just kind of coin our strategy, uh, it's really to go in there, professionalize it, make it efficient and, and really freshen up uh, the community. And then as far as kind of, you know, things that we'll stay away from, typically properties with, you know, with chiller systems is something that we kind of avoid. And, you know, we like areas with just good, dem- good demographic data to support, you know, the growth. So $45,000 of medium household income within the one mile is, is kind of a threshold. And then, you know, just a good, you know, a good, healthy, medium, medium um, home value, any area is also, you know, something that we like as well. Got it. And thank you. And you mentioned you are initially started with C-class property and translating into B-class properties. Would you share more about what is the reason? You know, when you look at opportunities, it really comes down to risk and reward and then just the time involved and, and, and the commitment involved to, you know, to, to successfully asset manage properties. With C-Class, I, yeah, I think traditionally people feel that there there's more upside, right? Because, you know, as you dig into multifamily and, and the various asset classes, C-Class, you know, tends to have more opportunity because a lot of these properties are more neglected. They're older. And then as far as kind of demand, you know, tenants, that typically, you know, will want to rent in those, you know, in those type of apartments. There's just more, more tenants out there that fit that profile. But for us, you know, we feel like, you know, B, you know, B minus and B class properties, you know, you're dealing with just a, you know, a higher income demographic. So that, you know, it, it kind of makes everyone's lives easier because, you know, there's less issues with collections and delinquencies and properties tend to be in better condition because it's newer vintage. And that always helps out for from an RRI perspective, because you have to allocate less capex, you know, to maintain any deferred maintenance. Got it. And uh, would you share about your acquisition process? Absolutely. So yeah, I didn't I didn't mention before, but you know, I, I work closely with a business partner of mine. His name is Ryan Christopher Nunez. He's actually based in Houston. So you know, together, you know, we've we've done all our deals, and um, you know, without a, a solid partner, um, there's, there's no way you know I, I would have been able to scale and kind of be where I'm at today. So you know, he's an integral part of our acquisition process. He kind of serves as as the boots on the ground and physically there, so he can you know be more hands on. From an operational perspective, and and that that's very critical, you know, to the success of, of our you know of our franchise, having eyes and ears that you know truly you know cares for the business and, and could have a you know have a physical presence in, in our properties uh, is key for you know for me. You might question, oh, well, you know, so so what is my role? My role truly is on the acquisition side, just given my background and my expertise. So identifying opportunities, underwriting the deals, analyzing it, really applying you know this private equity. Approach approach and Wall Street institution approach to multifamily is, is kind of what, what I'm all about and applying the discipline to, you know, pass on mediocre deals and really be patient, you know, for, for that, you know, outstanding deal. But, you know, we have from an underwriting perspective, you know, we're very, very picky. I mean, we looked at, not just looked at, but underwrote 300 deals before we secured our first deal. And that's fully vetting the deal going through, you know, putting it through an underwriting model and looking at it uh, from, a, you know, both from a qualitative and quantitative perspective and, you know, implementing a SWOT analysis and so on and so forth. You know, it's it, some some folks out there are just in a rush to, you know, add unit counts. Uh, for us, it's all about doing quality deals and really, you know, delivering what we, 
you know, we say, we say what we're going to do, you know, to our investors. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of aspects for our acquisition process, you know, how it differs from others. You know, we break it down into various phases so that, um, you know, we can move swiftly, efficiently, uh, but also, you know, be effective in making decisions. Um, so, you know, we have internally, we call it phase one, phase two. And then, you know, during along the process, we'll engage various team members, whether it's a property tax accountant, uh, an attorney, you know, a loan broker, an insurance agent. So all those folks are critical uh, in addition to a property management company, just to weigh in on, you know, what the opportunity, you know, could potentially present itself as. Got it. And two questions. So how do you meet your partner? First one. And second one is, so how do you source the deals? Sure. So again, you know, just uh, this is a team sport. And, um, you know, the way we met was through uh, a meetup in Dallas. And uh, it was one of those things where, you know, there you're in a room and there are tons of folks that have the same goals that you do, right? Which is, you know, to buy multifamily assets. But to be able to really kind of sort through and find, you know, a partner, it's really, it's really difficult. Um, and it takes time. Um, I think with us, you know, we hit it off because he, he also shares a Wall Street background. And that's, that's kind of rare to have two Wall Street, you know, professionals kind of walk away from Wall Street and private equity and, you know, to do multifamily. So, so that commonality kind of sparked it, but it took, you know, working together for, you know, a good three months to really say, hey, look, you know, we can really see this, you know, becoming, you know, becoming something, you know, real, right? Where it's a partnership. And, you know, we on the road, I think 250 deals during that, during that process and learn a lot about each other. And, you know, I think, you know, we were just very fortunate that, you know, we had the same and same mentality and a lot of that's through our institutional training and our backgrounds but you know we also shared a lot in terms of you know where we are in in, in our life phases you know from a family standpoint and our values and and that just has just transpired to you know a great relationship got it and then your uh your uh, can you repeat your second question yeah so how do you source the deals Okay. You know, I think catchphrase of the, of the moment is off-market deals. And, uh, you know, in this hot environment, off-market deals really, you know, unless you are, you know, a preferred buyer, you know, top five preferred buyer for a broker, you know, most off-market deals are pretty much going to be priced as a as an on-market deal. You know, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, we still go through all the channels. Um, you know, we're still bidding on listed deals. But, you know, in order to get something to pencil and, and, and be in a hunt where the valuation is still rational and we have a of cushion in you know in the underwriting to you know to be able to deliver to our investors it is you know is challenging in this environment because you have a you know the dynamic right now is that you have a lot of new entrants in the market and there's a lot of fresh capital that needs to be deployed and you know the way I see it you know the, the barriers to entry to multifamily is actually quite low I think most people are feel that you know if you can raise capital you could go buy a deal and it's true uh, it, it's not hard to go overpay for a deal and you know for for folks that have, you know, let's say three or four friends and have never raised equity before, you know, I don't think it's that hard to just go to friends and family and, you know, and raise a couple million within, uh, you know, a group of four or five and go outbid you know, the next person, that's not hard, right? So, you know, the, the key is, you know, really cultivating relationships with brokers um, and that doesn't happen overnight. And then really just delivering, you know, what you what you say you're going to do and being, you know, being responsive. You know, brokers talk to, you know, a lot of folks during the day and they, they, they shop deals to a number of folks, but really figuring out your niche and how you can stand out from the next sponsor is is really your challenge, right? And and really that comes down to your approach, uh, your background, your resume, 
resume, but you also have to be persistent. You have to be, you know, in front of them and making sure that you're in constant communication with them. Because I mean, I think when they say, you know, out of sight, out of mind, it's true with, with you know, in this space and you just have to be uh, persistent and be in front of folks. So true. And so many great points. Thank you. Thank you very much. And would you share any of your best apartment investing experience so far? Yeah, I'll um, I'll talk to our, our first deal. So that, that deal is called Seven Pines and that's based in uh, San Antonio, the Southwest quadrant of San Antonio. And, you know, it's, it's the best one because, it, you know, we, it took a while for us to get our first deal, uh, a lot longer than we anticipated. Again, I mentioned we underwrote 300 deals before we got that one. And we were actually coming off our <laughs> kind of our, our, our lowest point in multifamily uh, before we got that deal. Um, so it was a very kind of emotional roller coaster ride. So, you know, if I kind of backtrack to, you know, March of 2020, basically the height of COVID, you know, we had a deal on the LOI, a different deal um, in Houston. And uh, we were like, wow, this is, you know, we're going to get our first deal um, as, as a lead. Um, and it was a $17 million deal, 150 units, and, you know, this awesome area of Houston, you know, great growth, you know, potential and lots of value add opportunities. But then COVID happened, and, you know, in our mind, the you know the value just you know just went down right just just rationally right because of COVID and, and uh, you know we we went back to this to seller and say hey look you know this doesn't work anymore you know can, can we renegotiate and you know no one wants you know to to retrade but here's this you know black swan event that you know no one knew what was going to happen if you recall everyone thought you know the world was over and multifamily for sure was over and you know from my perspective we were hearing that oh you may not even get a loan right so Fanny and and Freddie were we're, we're, you know, we're, we're out of the market. So can you imagine, you know, trying to negotiate a PSA, you know, not knowing if you're going to be able to get a loan. So, so ultimately, you know, we had to put in provisions into the PSA to say, Hey, look, you know, it's contingent on getting a loan. And ultimately, you know, the deal went to someone else. Uh, and now, and yeah, I just want to clarify, it wasn't actually because of the value. It was, you know, it was because we went to contingencies, right? So again, it, during that process, during that process, it went to someone else. And, and that, that was the lowest point like we spent so much time you know to get to that point and and then covid happened that's kind of how that shook out but then on the flip side a couple months after that we get a call from a broker to say hey look remember that deal you were looking at and this is a different deal but you know this is remember that deal you looked at in q4 of 2019 came in second on that deal yeah we remember that deal that's simon pines right in san antonio correct he said well it's back in the market so we asked what happened and they said you know because of covid you know the buyer you know they couldn't come to terms so you know ended up coming around to us, right? So on one side on the Houston deal, we lost it because of COVID. And on the San Antonio deal, we we won it because of COVID, right? And not only did we did it come back to us, um, but it came down, the pricing came down by 600,000. So, you know, that just made our underwriting, you know, it was a home run from our, for, for, for our underwriting. And around that time, this was kind of around June, the June timeframe, you know, it was the high of COVID kind of passed, you know, the, the agencies were starting to, to kind of trickle back. And ultimately, we were able to close that deal with, uh, you know, 80, over 80% leverage. So that's pretty tremendous, you know, especially when we, when we went uh, with Freddie, you know, with Freddie SBL getting, a, you know, a rate kind of in the, you know, mid threes. So we're really happy about that. And, you know, the reason why we like this deal is, you know, when people say, hey, look, if I'm looking to buy in a multifamily community, like what are the qualities, you know, that you want to look for? And this deal like literally has, you know, everything, you know, that you would want, you know, so I had an out-of-state owner, 
from California. So and he had he didn't have a partner that you know served as a boots on the ground. So he was managing remotely. He was hands off. So that's point one number one. Point number two, they had three employees. So so three employees at this property. So mind you, this was 88 units. And you know if you use any kind of rule of thumbs, two employees for 88 units is definitely adequate. And we saw it, and that was an opportunity. So immediately off the bat, we were able to lower payroll by you know 33 percent. And then essentially all the units were classic. So none of them were touched. Rents were on the market. There are no amenities whatsoever at this property, except for a large, you know, larger facility. Uh, but, you know, it's not truly an amenity. It's kind of a necessity. But, you know, no dog park, no um, no pergolas, uh, no fence yards. They weren't even charging really for pet rent. So we were ramping that up and, you know, they weren't charging for, for parking. And we just implemented parking there and it's, uh, it's very high in demand. So, you know, for our first deal to have all those qualities uh, and to still, you know, to be able to buy it at a discount with good leverage, it, it was just, you know, a home run, you know, across the board. So, you know, I would say that that's kind of the highlight. So, so far, you know, of my multifamily journey. Cool, cool. And thank you. And so would you also share any of your challenging or worst experience in multifamily side? Yeah, you know, I, I think I kind of alluded to that before. So so that Houston deal that we lost, that that was the challenge. And, you know, and it's purely because of COVID. But and I think the lesson, you know, in terms of my takeaway here is you just have to be persistent and be on be, you know, be in front of brokers, right? So that San Antonio deal wouldn't have ever come back to us if we weren't consistently, you know, in touch with that broker. And not only that, you know, during the process when we were initially bidding for that deal, you know, brokers are always, you know, they're observing how you conduct yourself, you know, are you doing the work, you know, that shows your interest in that deal? And are you meeting deadlines? You know, are you being responsive? Are you being thoughtful in terms of, you know, your feedback? And that struck a chord with him. And, you know, because of that, he you know, once that deal fell out of contract, you know, he came to us, right? So, um, so that's, that's kind of the takeaway there. You know, I think there are um, definitely lots of lessons learned, but that's probably the most important takeaway I'd probably, you know, highlight there. Got it. Yeah. So, and what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now, Jeff? Current focus, as I said before, in multifamily is kind of, you know, B minus, you know, B, B class asset still in the Texas Triangle area. So that's, um, you know, for us, it's Houston, San Antonio, and DFW. We do have potential, you know, partners in other markets. Uh, for instance, you know, we're, we're putting in bids for deals in Atlanta. But for us, a key market has to not only have good data and demographic trends, but, you know, we have to have, you know, strategic partners that can serve as a boots on the ground. Uh, so that's kind of how we solve for that. You know, what I'm looking forward to right now on a personal level is just, you know, getting back to just normal life and spending time, more time with, with my kids over the summer, you know, in, in the world where, you know, the COVID is kind of waning and, you know, we could just, you know, get back to some sense of normalcy here. Got it. And so any one advice that impacted you? You know, this one sounds simple, but, you know, surround yourself with like-minded folks. I know people say that and then maybe it's, you know, it's almost like a cliche now, but it just makes achieving, you know, your goals much more efficient and much more effective. And I'll just, you know, just point back to just the amount, just amount of value and uh, that we were able to achieve, you know, by, you know, meeting a partner, Ryan, and, you know, being able to just create systems and really hone our approach to, you know, to ultimately uh, buy and build, you know, communities and, um, you know, We've just tons of anecdotes about, you know, good deals that went awry because they had the wrong team in place. And a lot of that has to do with just folks that aren't aligned. Um, they have different approaches and that, that could turn a, a good deal into a bad deal. Got it. Yeah. So any one book that impacted your life and what way? 
You know, from a professional level, I'd probably say in the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss. I think that that kind of inspired me to say, hey, look, you know, there's definitely a different way than just this, you know, 40, 50, 60-hour, you know, work week uh, rat race. And, and But, you know, you, it's not something that you can just do overnight. It has to be a mind shift thing and you have to continuously work on your process. And, you know, I think he poses a lot of good ideas, but there's a lot of different other ways that you can do it as well just it's you know you got to figure out what works for you but his idea of being able to you know use vas and you know ultimately it's like his, his point is go outsource everything that you don't want to do um and you know that that's a, a good goal and i think um if it's not a four-hour work week maybe it's a you know 20-hour work week you know i'll take that any day so yeah so that that's impacted my professional life and, and just kind of my approach into you know where i like to be instead of my professional you know career yeah got it so how are you giving back to community jeff you know, that's a great question. You know, with our communities, you know, what we would like to do is partner with local churches to, to really show love to the tenants. And I think in, particularly in this, you know, the time of, of COVID and, you know, high unemployment, you know, there are a lot of tenants that are struggling. So, but there, there are ministries and churches out there that really, you know, want to reach out and, and help out and also, you know, provide a positive, you know, message. And, and that's something that we do across all our properties. And, uh, you, know, you know, we'll hold events, you know, we'll have People knock on doors and, and say, hey, how can we help you? You know, here, here's a gift basket uh, or here's, you know, some some toys or puzzles for kids. And, you know, that's been well received. And we just, you know, are excited about that and want to, you know, just continue pushing that initiative. Got you. Uh, how can listeners can connect with you, Jeff? You know, the best way is uh, just through email. So that's jeff at overlandcapitalinvestments.com. And, uh, you know, I also, you know, manage a, uh, a Facebook page uh, along with my partner, Ryan. It's called Wall Street Multifamily. So you can look that up and, you know, also on LinkedIn as well. Got it. Thank you, Jeff. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for valuable information. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing. Thank you.